Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you are looking forward to that day when you see Jesus? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. How many of you are ready to receive a word from him? Amen. Know that he's a rewarder of those who seek him and you've come to seek him tonight. Pray that you're blessed. Tonight we're continuing in our series with uh, the spiritual discipline of service. Tonight will be part two. But before we go there, as always, let's ask the Lord to anoint me and anoint you as well. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you're here this evening, Father God, and we've not come and gathered in vain, but we've come to hear from you so that we might be more like you. God, the only way that we can do that is with the power of your Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. I can't and your people can't. So I pray, God, for your anointing, for your Holy Spirit to guide me, to lead me, to strengthen me, to give me the words that I need to speak, Father, words that will find their way into the soil of every individual soul. And God, that it might bear fruit and fruit that will last to the glory of the Father. So help us to to just yield ourselves to you this evening, God, and receive your word with gladness in Jesus' name. You know, people said amen. Amen. As always, I like to recap just a little bit. Won't take a whole lot of time to do that. But usually what I like to do is when we're talking about spiritual discipline, irregardless or regardless of what the actual discipline is, I'll, each week I try to look at a little bit of just the purpose of spiritual discipline and the and the uh, the need for spiritual discipline in our lives. So I try to combine a little bit of both. I'm going to do that again this morning or this evening. Last week we looked at the fact that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I don't know about you, church, but I'm glad that I have a God that is able to reward me when I seek him. There's a lot of people out there that are seeking after gods and working after gods and praising different gods that have no power at all to reward them. No power to bless them, no power to set them free, no power to deliver them. But I thank God that I have a God that is able to reward me, a God that is able to reward my service able to reward my sacrifice, able to respond to my prayers or my cry. And I just thank God that we have a God like that. I want us to remember that the word seek that God used here was a seeking with the intent to serve. A seeking with the intent to surrender to him when we find him or when we come into his presence. I also want you to understand that there is a reward to spiritual discipline. And all of us should have learned by now that that reward is godliness. Uh, it's not a monetary reward. It's not a material reward. Uh, the reward that we have uh, coming to us for exercising our spiritual discipline, Lord, or church, or from practicing spiritual discipline, is having the character of Christ made manifest in our lives. The reward for our diligence in the word of God, the reward for our diligence in prayer, the reward for our diligence in worship and service and all the other disciplines that we can look at, church, is becoming like Jesus Christ. Now, I know that there, that that probably disappoints a lot of people. I'm not saying it disappoints you, but I know that it disapp- disappoints a lot of people, even in the church, because a lot of people, even those in the house of God, would rather be like those out in the world than they would than they would be like Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people out there in the world that would rather be rich and famous. They'd rather enjoy pomp and circumstance. They'd rather have the power and the prestige and the money and the material gain than they would than they would want to be like Jesus Christ. 
There's a lot of individuals that would rather be born into pomp and circumstance, like I said, than born into a lowly manger and into obscurity like Jesus Christ was. But in order for us to be like Christ, listen, our life has to be like Jesus Christ. And the only way that that's going to happen is through these spiritual disciplines that we've looked at. That is the reward of, of spiritual discipline. It's to be like God. It's to be like Jesus Christ. It's to be able to be a reflection of the Father. And that should bring us great joy. That should be a motivating factor in why we do what we do because the reward is to be like Him. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to be like God and I want to be a reflection of the Father. And that happens through spiritual discipline. Those who practice the habit of spiritual discipline, the habits of devotion, the Bible says they shall be like Christ. They shall be godly and holy and righteous. Paul says in Philippians 3.10, it is my determined purpose. It is my uncompromising purpose that I may know him. He's saying it is my determined purpose that I may become intimately acquainted with him and that I may come to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering so that I may be transformed into his likeness. What we need to understand from this passage of Scripture, church, is that Paul was willing to know God in the good times and in the bad times. Paul was willing to know God when it was sunny and when it was gray. Paul was willing to know God in freedom and in prison. He was willing to know God while he was in chains and while he was in the church. He, he was willing to know God in the power of his resurrection, but he was also willing to know God in the fellowship of his suffering. And we all have to come to that understanding, church, that we have to we have to be willing to know God and become intimately acquainted with God, whether it's sunny or whether it's gray, whether we're in prison or whether we're free, whether we're in chains or whether we're in church. We need to be willing to know God in every area of our spiritual life, not only when when good things are happening in our life, sadly, Many of us want the, the crown without the cross. Sadly, many of us, church, we want the power of God's resurrection without the pain of the cross. So often we want all the blessings and the power, or we want the supernatural power of God flowing through our lives, the power of His resurrection without having to endure the cross. But you and I need to understand that we cannot bypass the cross. We cannot receive the power of His resurrection without following Jesus to the foot of the cross. This is the foundation to what I want to look at this evening. It, we have to, in order to enjoy the power of His resurrection, we have to fellowship with Him at the cross. And this is something that I want you to understand, that, that so often we want the reward without relinquishing our soul. And it just doesn't work that way. And the only way that we can relinquish our soul is by going to the cross. It's the ultimate form of service which we're looking at, which we're going to look at tonight. Paul's sole goal was to be like Christ, and he was willing to be like Christ at any cost. And this is what you and I need to understand, too. There is a price to be paid. There is a cost that, 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 that is required in order to become like Christ. And Paul was, was wanting to be like Christ at any cost, the Bible says. It wasn't just his sole goal. Listen, as in his single goal, 
as in his only desire, even though that's the truth. The Bible tells us that Paul said, I have determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I consider everything else trash. I consider everything else rubbish except knowing Jesus Christ and coming into an intimate relationship with him. Everything else was garbage to him. Everything else was trash. It was his sole goal. Meaning his single goal was to know Christ so that he could become like Christ. And not only was it his sole goal as in single goal, it was the sole goal as in regards to the desire of his heart. His sole desire, meaning his heart's desire, was to know Jesus Christ. And whether he needed to know him in the fellowship of his suffering or in the power of his resurrection, all he wanted to do was know Jesus Christ so that he could become like Jesus Christ. It said, I, w- I, am, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering so that I might be transformed into his likeness. And I wonder what our soul goal is tonight. I wonder what our soul goal is in regards to our single determined purpose or our single determined goal in life or, or what the soul desire of our heart is. I wonder if it is to be like Jesus Christ. I wonder if our soul's desire, the, the, the fundamental desire of our heart, I wonder if it is to know Jesus Christ and to become intimately acquainted with him so that we can become like him. You see, there's a lot of us that can go through our Christian life where our sole desire is to be popular. Our sole desire is to be, uh, is to have our name up in lights. Our sole desire is to finally get a, a corner office or our sole desire is to, to be someone in this world. But Paul's sole desire was to know Jesus Christ so that he could become like Jesus Christ. And so this is this is what we're going to look at tonight as we go along. It was to know him so that he could become like him. I've said it before. I'll say it again before I even move on that without spiritual discipline, we can't know God and we cannot be like God without spiritual discipline. We cannot be transformed into his likeness and we cannot experience the power of God in our lives. That's the power of spiritual discipline. It has the power to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, but only if we put it into practice in our lives. But throughout this series, we have to realize that it's not the disciplines in themselves that will change you. It's not the disciplines in themselves that will transform you. It's not the habit. It's not the work. It's not the effort. It's not the striving in itself that has the power to make you like Jesus Christ. It's the time that you end up spending with God that will change you. It's the time that you uh, have in fellowship with God that will transform you. It's the time that you spend with Christ that has the power to make you like Christ. You see, what you and I need to realize is that it is the the time that we spend in the Word of God that has the power to transform our lives. It's the time that we spend in fellowship with God in prayer that has the power to transform who we are as sinful men into the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is what we have to realize, church. The truth is, those who don't read the Word, those who don't pray, those who don't worship, those who don't come to church, those who don't exercise the spiritual disciplines that we've looked at, have no relationship with God. 
I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm just telling you that Paul is talking about spiritual disciplines for one reason and one reason only. It's so that you and I could develop an intimate relationship with a father. Because he knew without spiritual discipline, we will be a stranger to God. We will be afar off from God. But Paul was telling Timothy to exercise spiritual discipline so that he could come into an intimate relationship with God. And when you and I enter into that intimate relationship with God. Guess what? Jeff Merriman becomes to be a, a get, uh, begins to become a little bit more like Jesus Christ. Brother Willie, when he spends time with God and, and, and has an intimate relationship with God, begins to be transformed more and more and more into the likeness and image of Christ. This is why Paul said, I want to know him. It's so I can become like him. So that I can be transformed into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. Some of you may think that's an impossible thing. Some of you may think, well, that was the Son of God. But you need to understand, He was also the Son of Man. He came in the likeness of man. He bled like you and I. He hurt like you and I. He was a man just like you and I. And the reality is, church, unless we have intimacy with Jesus Christ, we cannot be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Why do you think those who don't read the Word, those who who don't come to church, those who don't pray, those who don't exercise spiritual discipline in their life are constantly in a struggle in their faith? I call them yo-yo Christians. They're up, they're down, they're in, they're out, they're hot, they're cold, they're bound, they're free, and then they're bound up again. Why? It's because they have not developed an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Or it's because they have relinquished their intimacy with Jesus Christ. Listen, you could be a saint for 50 years, you could be a saint for 15 minutes, but the reality is, when you relinquish that intimacy with Jesus Christ... You cannot be like Jesus Christ. When you relinquish that intimacy with the Father, you will have a faith that's up and down and in and out and hot and cold and bound up and then set free. An inconsistent relationship with Christ leads to an inconsistency in our faith. This is the power of spiritual discipline. It develops the character of Christ in our lives because it brings Christ into our lives. It develops relationship with Jesus Christ and it enables us to be like him. You see, Paul understood in Philippians 3.10 that in order to be like Christ, he would have to endure things that were difficult. He would have to go through things that weren't comfortable. He would have to experience things that would not be easy, church. And when you read the life of Paul and some of the other apostles and the disciples, things like pain and suffering, like prison and persecution, like hardship and heartache and like shipwreck, like beatings and floggings and all the other things that, that Paul had to endure. Paul understood that in order to be like Christ, he would have to experience things that would not be easy. He said, I am willing to share in the fellowship of his suffering that I might become like Jesus Christ. And as you all well know, church, Christ's suffering was the cross. Christ's suffering was the cross. Paul knew that he would have to endure the cross before he could uh, experience the power of Christ's resurrection. Listen, every one of us have to bear our own cross. Jesus Christ was not the only one that had to go to the cross. Each and every one of us have to carry our own cross. We must... What? 
deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. And the reality is Paul couldn't carry your cross. I can't carry your cross. The pastor can't carry your cross and you can't carry my cross. We all have to carry our own cross. We have to go to the cross if we want to wear a crown. We have to endure the pain and the suffering of the cross if we want to experience the power of His resurrection in our life. But most Christians don't want to go there. They don't want to go to the cross. They don't want to have to endure the pain. They don't want to have to endure the hardship and the heartache. They don't want to be like Christ when it comes to the cross. They want to be like Christ when it comes to all the other good stuff. But in order to be like Christ, we've got to go to the cross. Listen, the windows of heaven. Jesus was exalted because He went to the cross. He was resurrected because he went to the cross. If you want to experience newness of life, we've got to go to the cross, church. The cross was Christ's ultimate. And this is where I'm getting into the the discipline of service. The cross was Christ's ultimate form of service to the Father. It was his ultimate form of service to you and me and to the entire world. The cross was his ultimate uh, form of service. The cross was where Christ was used up. Like we talked about last week, what service really means. Service means to be at God's complete disposal. It means to be at someone else's complete disposal. Service, the word that Paul was using, meant that we we need to be willing to be used by God and used up by God. And not just by God, but by others as well. And we're going to look at that even more as we go. But the cross was where Christ was used up, church. The cross was where Jesus offered himself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And we've been called to do the same exact thing, to offer ourselves to God a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. The cross is where Jesus Christ was spent. It's where he was poured out like a drink offering, the Bible tells us. It's where he, we learned last week, he bled both blood and water. He gave everything that he had and he was spent on on God's behalf and on our behalf. It's where Jesus was at his father's complete disposal. And listen, the cross is where Christ served his father and you and me until his very last breath. There was not one moment of Jesus' life where he was not at his father's complete disposal. There's not one moment of Jesus' life where he was not willing to do what the father wanted him to do, go where the father wanted him to go, say what the father wanted him to say. His entire life, he served his father until his very last breath. The reality is you and I cannot be like Christ without a cross either. We cannot be a true servant of the Lord without a cross in our lives. Without that place where we die to ourselves, we cannot be alive to God. Until you and I find our way to that cross, we cannot be a servant of the Most High God because the cross is the ultimate form of service. It is the place where we put ourselves at the Father's complete disposal and say, not my will, but thy will be done. The cross is that place where we are able to say, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. And the reality is, until you're willing to go to the cross, the world can't see Christ in you. The world cannot see See the love of God or the mercy of God or the grace of God in you until you are willing to go to that cross and say, God, I am at your complete disposal. I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to say what you want me to say. I'm going to live the way you want me to live. I'm going to act the way you want me to act. And it all happens at the cross. 
And without the cross, we cannot be like Jesus Christ. Listen, if Jesus was willing to be used up until his very last breath, that tells me that we too must be willing to always, always serve the Lord. If Jesus Christ was willing to serve his Father till his very last breath, that means that you and I got no vacation from God. It means there's no time to hang up our heart like David did. It means there's no time to to just say, God, I've done enough and I can't do any more. We need to be willing to serve God until our very last breath. Just like Jesus did. Just like Paul did. Just like John on the island of Patmos did. Just like all the other great men and women of faith did that have gone before us and set an example. We must serve God until our very last breath. Even if that breath is on a cross like Jesus Christ. Even if that breath is in a prison cell. Even if that breath is in a sick bed. Even if that breath, listen to me church, is on a deserted island of Patmos like John was with no one else around in chains. We need to serve Jesus Christ and God till our very last breath. I know that's a difficult saying. I know that's a difficult thing to do. But before I close, I'm going to tell you that we don't do it on our own. I'm going to show you that scripture says we do it through the power of God. But we are still called to serve God until our very last breath. Paul as did the other disciples, served God while they were in prison. They served God while they were in chains. They served God while they were suffering hardship and heartache. They served God while they were going through pain and through suffering. But what about us, church? What about us? I wonder sometimes, I even ask myself, what's the limit of my service? What's the limit of my service? How far will I go for Jesus Christ? How far will I go for God? How much will I serve Him? Will I serve Him till it hurts a little and then I won't serve Him anymore? Will I serve Him until my son goes to jail and then I won't serve Him anymore? Will I serve Him till my daughter gets pregnant or ends up on drugs and then I won't serve Him anymore? Will I serve Him until my loved one passes away and then I won't serve Him anymore? How? How? Far will I go for God? What level of service will I render to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? This is the question that God is asking us. To be a true servant of the Most High God means we need to serve Him, like I said, till our very last breath. When it feels good and when it doesn't feel good. We've got to serve God or we are not a servant. We need to exercise The spiritual discipline of service in our lives, church. Paul was saying in Philippians 3 that in order for me to be like Jesus Christ, I've got to serve like Jesus Christ. In order for me to to be like Jesus Christ, I've got to be at the Father's complete disposal, just like Jesus was, regardless of the cost. There is a cost to our service. There is a cost to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I know there's a lot of churches out there that never teach about the cost. They never teach about the sacrifice and the suffering. They never teach about the cross. And without the cross, I'll tell you what, you can't have your sins washed away. You can talk as positive as you want to talk and you can be built up as much as you want to be built up and you can read all the self-help books you want to read and you can be, you can be on the bestseller list and I'm not down in anybody, but if you leave out the cross, And if you leave out the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how many self-help books you read. You will not see the Father and you cannot be like Jesus Christ. 
So you've got to be careful what doctrine you listen to. You've got to be careful what words you listen to. Because if they don't have the power to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ, they're a waste of your time. Because there's only one way that you're going to get to heaven, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. By being a reflection of the Father. Understand, there is no greater way for us to be a reflection of the Father than to be a servant to all, just like Jesus was and just like Paul was. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says this, You are to use whatever gift you have received, whatever gift you have received, The Bible talks all about gifts that we have. Listen, as soon as you invite Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different set of gifts. But as soon as you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you are given a gift. As soon as you accept Jesus Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And when he does, he comes with a gift. And the Bible outlines all of those gifts. Read it. It's all in Corinthians and other chapters of the Bible as well. And what God is telling us is that if you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, if you confess me to be your father, then whatever gift I've given you, you have to use to serve others. Not serve yourself. Not serve your flesh. Not serve your lust. Not serve your will. Not serve your desire. You're to use whatever gift you have If it's a big one or a small one If it's a gift that stands in front of a thousand people Or if it's a gift that nobody sees You've got to use that gift to serve others To serve others And to serve God Listen, there's a whole lot of people sitting in the house of God That aren't serving anyone but themselves they got a gift, they got a talent they got a skill, they got a blessing That God has bestowed upon them As soon as they invited Jesus into their life And it's sitting on a pew doing nothing for the kingdom of God And nothing for others Some have the gift of writing Some have the gift of hospitality Some have the gift of helps And they're not helping anybody They have the gift of hospitality And they're not shaking a hand or hugging a neck You understand there are gifts out there That must be used to build the kingdom of God. We've got to stop serving ourselves. Listen to me. We come, I've said it and I'll say it a thousand times. I'll say it until I die. The house of God is not a theater where we are to be entertained. The house of God is the house of God. It is a place of service and sacrifice before the Lord. You know what the altar is? The altar is a place where we surrender who we are to God. It's not a quickie mart where we come and get from God. We got it all backwards. This is what it means to serve, to be completely used up and spent by God. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. This is what we have to understand, church. It is to use, uh, we are to use whatever gift we receive to serve others. And it goes on and says, serve others faithfully administering God's grace. Faithfully administering God's grace And I don't know how far I'm going to go Because I don't know how the Holy Spirit is going to even want me to expand on these things But I know this is an area that the Holy Spirit wants me to expand on I want you to understand how amazing God's grace is It took someone like me who was lost and now I'm found, I was blind, but now I see. It's taken some of you that were on drugs, some of you that were on alcohol, some of you that were lost in darkness, lost in sin. He found you when you weren't worth anything. He found you when you didn't deserve a a, a single thing. He found you and me when we deserved death and he gave us grace and life instead. He extended to you and I unmerited favor. Could do nothing to earn it. Could do nothing to acquire it. Just trust in God for it. 
And this is what God is calling us to do, faithfully administering that same grace that he bestowed on us to those around us. It's a difficult task, but God has called us. Listen to me, church. You and I, you and I are called to administer that unmerited favor to people that don't deserve it. You and I have been called to administer the grace of God to those that we don't even want to look at and talk to. God has called you and I to administer the precious grace of God to a lost and dying world. Faithfully doing it. Faithfully administering the grace of God. You see, there's some individuals that are going to come across your path in life, your Christian path in life, that you don't want to offer any grace to. There's going to be some people come across your path in your Christian life that you don't want to extend a hand to, that you don't want to extend a good, uh, 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 a good welcome to. But I wonder, I wonder where we would be if Jesus determined, picked and chose which one of us in the house tonight that he wanted to extend his grace to. I wonder where I would be if he said, well, you know what? He's done this and he's done that and he said this and he said that and he's tried this and he's tried that. Uh, he's a waste. He's a waste of my time. I'm not going to extend any mercy to him. Listen, we cannot pick and choose who we want to extend grace to. We, not, we cannot pick and choose who we are willing to serve. We cannot pick and choose who we're going to consider more important than ourselves because as soon as we do, we're more important than them. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Even though he came in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself for every single person, everyone that didn't deserve it. I hate to remind you, when Jesus died for you, you didn't deserve it. I hate to remind you that when Jesus Christ died for me, I was filled with sin and, and filthiness, and so were you. You weren't born righteous. You weren't born holy. You weren't born godly. You weren't born in heaven. You weren't born by Mary. You weren't the spotless son of God or the spotless woman of God. We were born into sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And every single one of us need the grace of God to be administered into our life. I thank God for the individuals that came into my life and administered the grace of God. The individuals that were patient with me. The individuals that were loving with me. The individuals that reached out when no one else would reach out. The individuals said, you're going to make it, Jeff. The individuals that spoke blessings into my life and not curses into my life. The individuals that picked me up when other people were pushing me down. I thank God for every individual that faithfully administers the grace of God to those who are in need. And don't, we should never dare place ourselves above anyone else because we above all have a heart that is desperately wicked. It doesn't deserve a thing. So I'm saying, church, we are to administer God's grace to those around us, and we cannot do it without the spiritual discipline of service. When the whole world is about me, myself, and I, a servant is all about God. When the whole world is all about what's in it for me, and what can I gain from it, and what can I get from it, a servant is in it for others and in it for God. So often we reserve, church, our service for the noble. So often we reserve our service for the elite. So
so often we reserve our service for those individuals who we think can do something in return for us. We reserve our service for the individuals that we think can bestow a bigger blessing upon our lives. Listen, that's not the kind of service Christ had. He died for those that couldn't give him anything in return like you and me. We cannot reserve our service for the elite. We cannot reserve our service for the individual we think can pat our pocket and do something good for me in return. Uh, individuals like that are a dime a dozen. You can find them any, everywhere. They serve only to get something in return. Ah, and they single people out who they think they can find favor with, and then I'll serve them, and then I'll be their little bag boy, and I'll be their little brown noser, and I'll be all these little things for them, because they can bless me in return. Listen, Jesus died for us when we could do nothing for him in return. Nothing. And he's calling us to be the same kind of servant, to reach out and faithfully administer grace to even those individuals that can't do anything for us in return. Can't give you a dime, can't make you look good, can't, can't, can't exalt you and put you into some place of honor. But this is what Jesus has called us to do, to go into the highways and the byways and serve those. Whether they're rich or whether they're poor. What did he say? Do unto who? The least of these? He didn't say go and do unto the richest of these. He said, you go and do unto the least of these just like I did. Go and do unto those that can't do for themselves. Go and do unto those that need the grace of God administered into their life. Listen, the rich and famous don't think they need God. The, the rich and powerful don't think they need your help. They don't need it. They don't need. But there are individuals out there that know they need help. They know they need something. And they're waiting for that one individual that's willing to put themselves at someone else's disposal just like Jesus did. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.12, God said, I have appointed prophets and apostles and evangelists and teachers and pastors for the equipping of the saints so that they might do the work of service. I want you to understand that service isn't easy. Service is one of the most difficult spiritual disciplines you will have to practice in your life. It's harder than praying. It's harder than reading. It's harder than worshiping it's harder even than fasting at least i've found in my own spiritual life you can fast for a day you see god's not called us to fast every single day but he's called us to serve until our very last breath it is the hardest discipline for us to put into practice in our lives but he said listen i have appointed prophets and apostles and evangelists and teachers and pastors for the equipping of the saints the equipping of the church the equipping of the house of god the congregation you, the people of God, so that they might do the work of service. Could have said a hundred other, other different things, but look at what he said. He's, he's provided all these individuals and brought all these individuals into your life to equip you to do the very thing God's called you to do, serve. So that you might do the work of service. And service isn't always easy, church. Sometimes it's difficult. So that you could do the work of service. So that you may do the work of putting others before yourself. So that you might do the work of putting yourself at someone else's complete disposal. So that you might do the work of being used up for others instead of just the pastor. You see, sadly, the church thinks it's 
only the pastor's job to be used up. The church so often thinks it's only the pastor's job to be spent. It's only the pastor's job to have to stay up and have to do this and have to do that. It's only the pastor's job to go through heartache and hardship. It's only the pastor's job to put himself at God's complete disposal. But listen to me. The Word of God says that it is your responsibility, my responsibility, each one of our responsibility, church, to do the work of service, to do the work of putting ourselves at someone else's complete disposal, to do the work of being used by God and used up by God. We've got to stop thinking that it's only the pastor's job to be used up. It's our job as well. The reality is if you're not serving, if you're not serving... You're not doing your job. If you're not being used up, if you're not putting yourself at God's complete disposal according to the word of God, not the word of Pastor Jeff, you're not doing your job. If I'm not putting myself at the Father's complete disposal, if each day I'm not willing to say, God, I'm yours, I don't belong to me anyway. I've been bought with a price, so have you. And I'm to glorify God in my body, and how do I do it? I do it by serving him and not myself. I do it by doing his will and not my own will. And if we are not serving the father, if we're not serving those around us, if we're not putting ourselves at the Lord's complete disposal, we are not doing the job God has called us to do. Remember Christ's sole goal was to serve God and to serve man. It was to do his father's will. The Bible says he came to do his father's will. He came to be spent by his father and do, I'll say it a hundred times, to do whatever his father wanted him to do. And the reality is, sometimes serving God and others is hard work. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's unpleasant. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you will get no reward. Sometimes you'll do nothing but get bickering and complaining. Sometimes you will be trampled on. Sometimes you'll be abused. Sometimes you'll be hurt. Sometimes you'll be persecuted. Sometimes you'll be put in chains. Sometimes you'll be put in prison. Sometimes you'll be whipped. Sometimes you'll be put on a cross just like Jesus was. Sometimes serving the Father is not an easy thing to do. And that's why it's the hardest thing for the church to do. Because no one likes to serve. No one likes to be abused. No one likes to be spent. No one likes to be used up. No one likes to not get the reward. No one likes to not receive a pat on their back. No one likes to have to run on empty most of their face. But but God is still calling us, church, to serve both God and man. You see, we love to be called the children of God. We love to be called the sons and the daughters of the Most High God, and I'm not putting that down at all because it's exactly who we are. We love it when the Word refers to us as His chosen people. We love it when we're called His holy nation and His royal priesthood. We love it, church, when when we are called the head and not the tail, the above and the not beneath, because it sets us above everybody else, because it exalts us to a higher place. And who doesn't like to be exalted? Who doesn't like to be built up? Who doesn't like to be lifted up? But so often we tend to forget that Scripture also calls Christians servants. It calls us servants. We can't go through our whole Christian life thinking that we are only sons and daughters of the Most High God. We cannot go through our entire Christian life only believing that we are the head and not the tail, the above and not the beneath. We cannot go through our entire Christian life thinking we're more than we actually are. 
Because what God has called us to be, because we are all those things. Here's what I want you to understand. Go ahead and put on the music because i got to start sometime bringing this to a close. In the midst of all of those things... We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God because we are uh, the royal priesthood, because we are his chosen people, because we are a holy nation, because we are the above and not the beneath, because we are the apple of his eye, because we are all of those things, we should even more be a servant because Jesus was a servant. He considered others more important than himself, church. We cannot forget that we are called to be servants. In almost every letter Paul writes, as do the other disciples, he refers to himself as a servant or a doulos, the word is, which means a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And in order to appreciate, as I bring this to a close, this level of servant, a bond servant serves willingly and without wage. They offer themselves to the master without compensation, the Bible says. They serve willingly out of love. And I'm going to look at the last passage. They serve willingly out of love. They put themselves at the master's complete disposal, willing to be used by him and used up by him simply because they have a love for their master. This is who Paul called himself. And this should be the motivation of our service, church. Our love for the master, our love for the master, our love for the father, our love for our brothers and sisters in the Lord should be our motivation to serve. It should be our motivation to put ourselves at God's complete disposal. That's a little loud for me. In Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 to 6, you find that after a Hebrew slave served for six years, they were to be set free on the seventh year. But if the Hebrew slave says, I love my master and I will not go out free, but I will stay. The Bible tells us that he is then taken before the judge and he surrenders his freedom to his master. The Bible also says that individual who is willing to make themselves a doulos, a bond servant to their master, is taken to the master's house. And he is taken to the doorpost of the master and his ear is placed upon the doorpost and an awl is used to punch and pierce his ear. And a piece of that bond servant's flesh is driven into the doorpost as an example of his service to the master. And the Bible says that he will serve him forever, forever, without wage, without compensation, without expecting anything in return, simply because he loves him simply because he has a heart for his master and I'm wondering tonight church how many of us are willing to be a bond servant I'm wondering how many of us are willing to serve him forever till our very last breath like Paul did and John did and Jesus did I'm wondering how many of us are willing to take ourselves to the doorpost of our Father and say, Here I am, God. All that I am, all that I ever hope to be, is now yours. And I want you to pierce my ear as an example of my service to you. If you're here tonight and you're willing to say, God, I'm willing to take that step. I'm willing to come to the, the doorpost of my Master and I'm going to make myself available to you. 
and I'm going to serve you. Listen, it's a big commitment. But without the spiritual discipline of service in our life, we cannot expect to be like Jesus Christ. We cannot expect to administer grace to a lost and dying world. We cannot expect to acquire this godliness that we've been talking about. But if you're here tonight and you're saying, okay, God, I want to be a doulos. I want to be a bond servant to the Lord. I want you to stand to your feet. and We're going to make this commitment together that, God, I'm committing tonight to exercise the spiritual discipline of service. And I'm making myself available to you. Not my will, but thy will be done. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. But more than your word, Father, we thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, set an example for every single one of us to follow. That from the moment that he was born to the moment that he breathed his last breath, he was at your complete disposal, God. He didn't seek his own will. He didn't seek his own throne. He didn't seek his own popularity. He didn't seek for power, prestige, Lord God. He sought only to do your will. He sought only to serve you, to be used by you, to be used up by you in order to glorify you. And I pray that that would be our heart tonight, God, that you would create in us the heart of a bond servant, an individual that is willing to serve you till our very last breath simply because we love you. And Father God, if there's any of us here tonight that don't have that kind of love, I pray that you would bring us into a more intimate relationship with you. I pray, God, that you would help us to put aside those things that get in the way of our intimacy with you and our relationship with you. All of those things, God, that we strive after that get in the way of us serving you for the sole purpose of being like you. I pray, God, that we would be like Paul, willing to share in your suffering, willing to go to the cross, willing to crucify ourselves so that we could experience the power of your resurrection in our life, so that we could experience newness of life just like Christ did. So I pray that you would take us to the cross, take us to the grave, help us to deny ourselves, Father God, so that we could be raised up in newness of life as servants of the Most High God. Help us, Father God, that when we leave here tonight, to faithfully administer the grace that we have been given. That we would faithfully, Father God, reach out to those that are lost and dying, those that are hurting, those that are suffering, those that have fallen, Father God, those that are struggling in their faith, those that just are not in that that right walk with you, and help us, God, to show them grace. Let us not pick and choose, Father God, who deserves grace, because if that was us... We'd all be on our way to hell. So God, help us to be servants. Help us to serve you out of love. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord, church? Amen. Amen.